Hi, and welcome to episode 94 of the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In today's episode, Steph and I are discussing our mutual tendency to go off on unexpected tangents in our artwork. In the world of art business, honing in on one style that sells is what we're often encouraged to do. But as this conversation unfolds, we realize how vitally important following these tangents is for our emotional, spiritual, and intellectual well-being. We also realize that it is an essential component to building integrity and professionalism as an artist in the longer term. This is also the final podcast episode for 2021. The summer holidays are in full swing here in Australia and now that we're free to travel, I'm going to be taking advantage of it and spending lots of time away from the studio with my family for most of January. We'll be back at some point in late January or early February with a brand new season. I'm also going to be sticking to the fortnightly rhythm with these episodes as this shift has been a game changer for me and allowed me so much more time in front of the easel. And let's face it, that's what we're all chasing, right? Thanks so much for all of your support of the podcast for another great year. We cherish you guys and love all your feedback, so keep it coming. Take care until then and I hope you have a truly beautiful holiday season. Hi, this is Susan Nethercote and welcome to the Studio Insider Art Podcast. In these episodes, I throw open the doors to my art studio practice and how I run my business as a professional artist. Whether it be candid insider chats with my studio assistants Laura and Steph, or interviews with other creatives, or answering listener questions, there is something here for every emerging artist. I hope my journey can help you feel a bit more at home in your own. Hi, Steph. Hi, Suze. How are you doing? I'm well. Good Good to see you. Good to see you too. Hey, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about, you know, just the journey both of us have been on the last few months with, you know, coming out of lockdown, all that jazz. And I really wanted to talk to you about this new direction that you started to explore in your work with, you've come back to pottery and, mm-hmm. and it's, I wanted to talk about the circumstances of that happening as much as, you know, the beautiful work that you're actually making and just talk that through a bit. Great. So let it tell us the story because I feel like the first half of the story was kind of the, the last episode that we chatted together mm-hmm. and I wanted to hear more about how, you know, we can take these times that are challenging and actually use our creativity to heal ourselves mm-hmm. by following tangents. Yeah, well, we're queen of tangents. We so. are queens of tangents, both yeah. of us. Yeah. But also I feel like it's in the job description. I do too, and that's mm. something I want to dig into. Mm. But shall I start with the story? Yeah, tell okay. us. So the story is I trained in ceramics at art school in Edinburgh in Scotland and um very quickly fell out of love with the medium. Okay. Happens to so many people at art school, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Mm. It does. And I, you know, I'm coming back to it. I've, I've had some realizations. Anyhow, so I didn't. I taught clay. I taught. I taught throwing. I taught ceramics for a living for a few years after college, and then you know stopped and and fell in love with other things instead. And recently, it's been painting, as we know, because that's been recorded in this journey. Yes. Throughout this podcast, and then 
quite recently, <laughs> I started watching a show called The Great Pottery Throwdown, which if people aren't familiar with, it's I think it's a BBC show. It's recorded in England and it's a bit like The Great British Bake Off where uh, people compete in a series of challenges. Competitive pottery. Competitive so pottery. <laughs> Yes. I shouldn't laugh because no, I know it's, it's like lovely. actually a thing, but it's just it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, they yeah, they compete to be crowned as um, Britain's best backyard potter. So it's That's not so awesome. for professionals. Yeah. And what I love about it, if you've ever watched the Bake Off or know the show I'm talking about, is it's not your average reality show where there's drama and angst and people being aggressive to aggressive to each other. It's the opposite. It's like they help each other and they're kind to each other and they form these beautiful friendships. And mm, so it's about the lovely personalities of the people on the show. I have avoided that show for years because... Why? Yes, I want to hear. I knew that if I started watching it, I would want to start creating works in clay again. So that just totally takes me back to when... You first started working mm-hmm. for me and you admitted to me one day, I really want to paint again, but I don't want to paint again because I know what will happen where, whereby I will become obsessed. I'll become obsessed, I won't be able to stop, and I will stop doing all the things I should be doing in favour of painting. What were the things you should be doing? At the time, <laughs> at the time I had a business making oh, tiny yeah, miniature furniture. But she wanted to ditch anyway deep down. You just didn't know at the time. Yeah, I was burnt out with it. and But that's why I knew. I was like, oh, I have to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. Don't start yeah, doing a whole nah. other thing. Yeah, now. <laughs> Anyhow, so I started watching this show and um, I realised as I was watching all these challenges that I know how to do all these things really well. And it maybe made me realize how highly skilled I was in this area and how much knowledge. It also led me to reevaluate my education. In oh, this we'll area. talk about that because, because like, I'm sensing that you're going to peel back another layer of healing around formal education in art. Yeah, and we had an episode way back in the archives where we broke down. Uh, formal art training versus self-taught. Yeah, we gave that a real good go through. We really did. Mm. So that's sitting there in the archives if anyone's interested. We will go in the episode. We don't know the number, but we will (laughs) find it and we will post it in the show notes. Yeah, so what I realised is that one of the reasons I'd fallen one of the reasons I had fallen out of love with ceramics and pottery is that pursuing it for four years in a formal education environment where it was all day, every day, it the focus was on a pursuit of excellence. In fact, beyond that, perfection. And if anybody's ever worked with clay, they will know that it is not a medium that lends itself to perfection. And I felt like I was constantly fighting the nature of myself and the nature of the medium Mm -hmm. to fulfill somebody else's evaluation of worth yes 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 and after it left me to feel like I was a misfit like I couldn't do this I was not good enough you know all those kind of like that a microscopic a micro yeah microscopic version of 
you know, the way that I've heard you describe sometimes you feel in the world. And me oh, also, the way I yeah. can describe myself feeling in the world, like yes. not fitting the standard that the world expects of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So fell rapidly out of love with it. All the things that brought me joy, I forgot about until I watched this show and remembered that it is the unpredictability. It is the nature of working with something from the earth that's been formed over millions of years that's naturally occurring. It is squishy and goopy and messy. Those are the things that I actually loved about it. Yeah. All the things I was taught to fight yeah. were the things that I loved. Yeah. So watching these people have so much fun with the medium and things going wrong, you know, things exploding in the kiln or turning out complete different colors, all of those things I was taught to fight and change and control, I realized I could let go of. Isn't that amazing well well it's to me a bit of an epiphany moment yeah yeah so of course can I, I, yeah. can I put a just put something in there for a Please moment because I, I know that I have encountered your, your work as a potter before I think I bought some beautiful little ceramic earrings oh. off you a while ago when probably was even before you were doing the miniatures business yeah it was yeah um so it's not like you haven't created ceramic products in the past but do you think maybe coming back at ceramics after having a period of painting and creating art and thinking about you know <laughs> so I was just thinking about how you know you've you come back into this journey of potting yes when pre I mean I know that you've you've yes. made stuff in the past that I've bought and it was a few years ago and it yes. was even before the miniatures business I bought some little ceramic earrings off you yes and you know, do you think coming back to pot, which is sort of a different mindset, like you're making jewellery, you very much had your mind in the mindset of, well, what products can I make that yeah. are easily consumable? Yeah. yeah. Whereas I feel like over the past year you've been on a journey with your art mm. and coming into yourself as an artist and actually selling pieces of art. Yes. It's very different yes. to the other businesses that you've had since you had your gallery. Yes. Do you think that has impacted on you know, the way that you're viewing coming back into your ceramics. Yes, yes, and yes, very much. Very much I do. I think that I've been asking myself some big questions about the future lately. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recently had a very, really interesting conversation with the curator of our city's art gallery. And she was helping me put together an artist CV for a project I was applying for. And one of the questions she asked me was, what are your goals as an artist? And I realized I've never asked myself that question. I've always framed things in, well, I know what my goals are for my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I've felt like the two are separate and distinct Mm -hmm. That being an artist is very different from selling your work. Yeah, like they're two different things. And that really allowed me to question, well, what are those goals? What do I want from my artistic career? And you're right, allowing myself to think of making things out of clay as an art form again, instead of purely product driven, has really not only opened up my creativity, but opened up my soul to the medium again. Yeah. I'm realizing that 
it's just another medium which is an extension of my creativity. And it's not unusual for artists to explore through different mediums. Of course. It's, it's part of the journey. That's right. And it's not like I'm becoming an accountant. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a total, it's, it's, you know, when you look at the history of art, which, you know, often I like to look back on the history of art, you know, to have a look at what that picture looks like. It's not uncommon for artists to be painters alongside ceramicists That's or right. sculptors or, you know, works on paper or That's installation right. pieces. It's not unusual That's at right. All. I mean, it's part of yeah. it's, a, it's just a way, another way of expanding the expression. That's right. For example, Picasso had years where he made oh, yeah. ceramics. Yeah. He made pottery. Like, yeah. It's where he yeah. made his last wife. <laughs> she ran the pottery works where he would, where he would um, go and have things fired or did something there. Maybe it's all his work through there. <laughs> it's I, it's some, it's some professional relationship. Anyway, I digress. That's the art Tangent. historian in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it has really made me consider it differently and, um, you know, I was I was fighting it for a little while and doing it just to self-care and I, I even said to myself, you're allowed to do this at the weekends because it's a hobby. It's okay to have a hobby. Hey guys, are you loving what you're hearing on the podcast and craving a bit more from my studio? Then consider checking out my e-course trilogy, Painting as a Practice, playful classes in mixed media painting designed to nurture your authentic style. If you're a beginner painter or seeking some fresh new approaches in your art, then check out chapter one, Laying Solid Foundations. Or if you'd like to learn more about my ways with colour and mixed media art supplies, then Chapter 2 is a great option. And if you're seeking to really hone your creative style or learn how to create a series of larger works on canvas, then Chapter 3 is a brilliant option. Each chapter is just US$77 each, or you can pick up the discounted bundle of all three courses for just US$219. To learn more, be sure to head on over to the link in the show notes or susannethicottestudio.com forward slash online dash classes. I'll see you soon. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, you had been doing a bit of clay work like prior to when you really dove in this time. You were making some beautiful ornaments, Christmas ornaments that you were doing. So you were in that space of exploring it again and making but again it was in that product mentality and then you went through this we talked about in the last episode this you know burnout period that you went through where you just had to stop things for a while and and the thing that you picked up that felt good and nourishing and healing for you was ceramics yeah and I'm really interested in that space yes that you came to it and and that 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 piece the part where it felt good and it felt nourishing and that was what you needed in the moment to move through and start to feel good about everything again. That's the piece I'm actually most interested yeah. in teasing out because I feel like when we allow ourselves as artists to do that and to really listen to those moments and give ourselves what we need and let it lead us where it wants to go on whatever tangent it is, it's really necessary and important. Yes. So tell us about that that space and yeah. how that's felt for you and how it's playing out. Yeah, well, I think it's not just that mental shift, but the physicality of the medium really lends itself to therapy. Yeah, Jazz, you know, I remember doing wheel throwing years ago and, and I 
did a lot of yoga at the same time and they're actually not dissimilar in that like you've really got to find your centre of balance to be able to throw a pot. It's not, it's a full body it is, thing. it is. And it's um, one of those things like riding a bike <laughs> where it can be pretty tricky to learn but yeah. you never really forget because of all that like body memory, Yeah, you know, and you're so intently focused on this very like little tiny little patch of life it's meditative <laughs> very meditative and hours go by and I find myself really um leaning into refining forms so not mass producing not thinking of it as a product not thinking of anyone ever seeing it I mean a lot of what I created I just smushed down and recycled the clay because I just wanted to do it again uh-huh. you know and I've been working in porcelain which it's very tricky to work with. It's incredibly finicky. It has nice its, to touch. It's beautiful to touch. It's like um, throwing with custard. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's that sensory, her whole body sensory. Delight. Yeah. So, yeah, I really lent into it. And I'm so in it that I probably can't answer your question with absolute clarity yet, you know. Oh, yeah. Still You're still inside of it. Elbow deep in... But it's healed you and that's the important part. Mm. And it's interesting that it's come alongside, you know, that that exploration you did with Julie, you know, on a, on questioning your journey as an artist mm. and you were saying something about that. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so it's made me think about who who I am as an artist, not just as a business person, and thinking about what that will look like in the future and thinking about how my practice actually sits outside the business and that that's okay, Mm. that the two can exist in parallel and that one does not diminish the other. And in fact, the practice feeds the business and the business feeds the practice, but it's okay to have a bit of separation there. And to also not get too trapped inside the business model as an artist because that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah, because when you're in that modality, it really is about sales and well, so have, many levels. Well, yeah, that's it. And the, and the focus on sales become blinkers. Mm-hmm. And I think our job as artists is to kind of try and always be evolving that 360-degree view of seeing the unseen and bringing that forward because, you know, at a greater cultural, emotional, spiritual level, I believe that's our function in society is helping to bring forward into awareness things that aren't obvious to other humans you know it's like Mm -hmm. I also and I would I would even expand that across I think that's one of the superpowers of neurodiverse people we see the non-typical because we're not neurotypical yeah and you know if we're truly going to love ourselves wholly then we have to embrace that if by the way if anyone can hear slurpy sounds I have my puppy on my lap she's biting (laughs) me she's licking me she's doing all kinds of things so I just Mm -hmm. sort of dropped that in there um, after that very philosophical little. little. <laughs> but I love hearing you talk about it because I kind of did a similar thing recently. I went on a total tangent. With, I want to hear about this. Because well, this is- well, it's perfect because the dog's here. So <laughs> we installed a little doggy door for the dog in our glass door. And of course, she's tiny and um, she couldn't figure out how to get up through it. It wasn't very high, but neither is she. 
And so I thought, well, I'll get a couple of old telephone books. Remember those? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I've got a few in How my long cupboard. Have those for? <laughs> I've got a few of them in my cupboard, as you do, because that's where you store your old telephone books, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll make little steps for her so she can get in and out. Cute. So I got out my old telephone books from the cupboard and they were full of pressed leaves. And I, oh. years ago, like, um, right back at the start, even that painting I'm pointing to on the wall to you, stuff has got pressed leaves in it. Right. I, I used a lot of pressed uh, flora in my work, leaves and flowers, mostly leaves actually. And so I pressed a whole heap of them in old telephone books because it was, it was you know, back in the days when there were still telephone books. Mm-hmm. And, and I pulled them all out and I have, and you can see here on my trolley, there's a lot of visual things wow. people won't see. There's but hundreds. There's hundreds of beautiful autumn leaves that have all faded off that are like seven, eight years old that I pulled out and I was just mesmerised. You know when you ha- you just you, you see something beautiful and it's en masse and you just swept away. Yes. And then I pulled out of one of them a huge leaf where I had die cut a circle out of it and so it was like this window through the leaf. Mm-hmm. And I had just been doing a some watercolour work and and I had that inspiration to sit the leaf on the work and just the interaction between the two was just one of those moments that you have when you – and I did make a reel about this on Instagram and a lot of artists were very engaged by this and, and let me know that they also understand the experience I'm having where, you, where something just lights yeah. a creative fire in you yeah. and you you have that compulsion to follow that tangent and, and explore it. So I did because to me that's the, having the freedom to do that and follow those tangents is possibly the most precious thing about being an artist. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. you know, there's a, there's a lot of grind in what we've been doing over the past year but the moments where you feel true, pure inspiration and also experience true and deep surprise at that inspiration. Like it's almost like sometimes you question if you can even still feel that childlike enthusiasm. You know, I definitely feel that as a middle-aged yeah. woman with young kids. I, You know, I you get exhausted, you know. And so experiencing that feeling of wonder, that childlike wonder, that compulsion to explore something so completely random as as holes cut in leaves I mean hello like it was pretty (laughs) random but I did it and I'm so glad I did it because you know similarly to you I'd just been having a challenging time and and I needed that like it's like it's like my whole system knew it needed that kind of experience to to process and come through it and to just be with something that may or may not be any kind of product in my business. I can see some real similarities there. I mean, both of our, what we've been doing has included natural materials. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Like it's so a deep connection with nature and a really visceral mm-hmm. connection with nature. And both of them feel outside of the box from yeah. what our creativity normally looks like. But you're right. I mean, that that childlike wonder is what we're actually always seeking as an artist it is, isn't and it? seeking to express to others. And if we treat our practice like a business all the time, <laughs> we mm-hmm. lose that and we don't allow space for those moments of wonder, for those flashes of inspiration, for those wandering off down a mental garden path and discovering something incredible that lights you up and gives you the fuel to keep going. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's so true. Mm. You know, it's the other thing that I've been doing over the last few weeks is I've been really slowly unfolding a new e-course, which is called Be Like Water, and it's Mm. a watercolour e-course. So that was why I had the watercolours out on my table and had been exploring that a bit more. And the reason it's called Be Like Water is I was really inspired by, there's a few verses in the Tao Te Ching, which is like that super old philosophical, um, they're kind of like poetical stanzas on the nature of life and like the deeper meaning under life. And it's, you know, been around for thousands of years, written by Lao Tzu, they believe, or it could be, you know, a collection of people. It's kind of like the Bible, everyone's a bit not sure who it was. But it's so profound and and in and and again, it's like you know, the, you know, I've been, had this watercolor e-course in my mind for such a long time. But for me, it's like I, I started doing watercolor again in earnest during the first lockdown because I needed something really simple and easy to do at the end of the day, mm. and it was so beautiful, like bringing in the element of water again. It was that natural mm. bringing in an element of nature and fully exploring the power of elements of nature to soothe and feed us on a level that we can't even really capture or express, right? And and the watercolours that I prefer to use are Daniel Smith and a lot of them are actually made from semi-precious stones Mm -hmm. so they they really do capture the magic of nature Mm -hmm. in them. And there there are verses in the Tao Te Ching that talk about how water is actually the most powerful even though it is the most yielding. It's like this paradox and and it really could, like you think about, you know, it's so soft and it will just fall over things, but also it will wear away yes. rocks, you yes. know. It's incredibly powerful but totally yielding. And, and I love that concept. So I've kind of really embraced that concept in this course I'm making. It's kind of very poetical and, and very much about embracing the soothing power of the medium. So it's been really lovely to be exploring those concepts alongside yes. this tangent of the leaves as well, yes. which are which are literally disintegrating in my fingers as I'm working with them and trying to adhere them to, you know, gluing down a disintegrating leaf is actually yeah. not easy. It drove yeah. me a little bit crazy after a while. But it but it was that thing of like, you know, wanting to capture a moment in time with my art that, you know, it's even like I I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around how you sell such a thing because it can never be archival, right? You have to somehow communicate to the buyer this may, I don't know what it will do. It is a a constant work in progress and it will shift and change all the time. But that's what I love about it. That's magical, yes. And that conceptually. And I think I'm just going to interrupt you for a sec while I remember this thought, but I don't know if you know the British artist Andy Goldsworthy, but he created a body of work. I mean, all of his work is so transient. Yeah. Like I remember being as a teenager going to the art gallery in my city in Leeds and seeing his sculptures made of only of leaves and he used pine needles to pin these leaves together to make these forms and they are so transient they are i mean they're worth an awful lot of money and they will not last the last the pressures of time they will just that's the reality of life right that's an accurate reflection of life and you know and these are the kinds of you know, philosophical things that get brought up when you make work such as what we're doing, right? Yes. But through the very act of doing it and thinking about these things as you're in the process of making it, 
it brings you back home to your why of why you why you're an artist, right? Yeah. Because you're engaging with the mysteries of life and trying to understand at a deeper level your place within things. You yes. Know? Which is what makes it perfect about your conversation with Julia, the the yeah. our gallery curator, yeah. because she was bringing you home to that question, and rightly so, because it's such questions that make great artists. That's absolutely right. They bring it home to your job is actually deep. Yeah. Mm. What you're saying around sense of place has actually been something I've really been exploring within my work with clay. Everybody in the whole world has clay eventually if they dig down deep enough in their gardens, right? But, I mean, I'm really interested in, in clay as a medium because it is of the earth and it's formed by water eroding granite particularly over time right. and compressing it that's what a lot of clays are made of and you know the clays that I'm buying and working with a lot of the bodies that the, the components of it come from all over the world and particularly working in porcelain those particular clays are usually usually found in England and China and I was going to say, I just mm -hmm. made the connection in my mind when you were talking about, oh, the Chinese and porcelain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but I got me thinking about and doing a lot of research about what they call wild clay, which is where you forage for clay and process it and use it yourself. You know, you don't buy it out yes. of that. And then I discovered that actually close to where we live, there is a clay mine out in Pitong. And um, I also discovered that one of the local ceramics teachers at the university, um, I know his daughter, and he is a bit of an expert in this. And the next morning, guess who I should bump into in the pharmacy? Ah. Is this gentleman, Peter yeah. Pilvin. And I said, Pete, I really want to start exploring this. Where should I start? And he's like, start in your backyard. So my daughter the day before had literally been digging away at the nature strip um, and she uncovered this clay and we put it in a bucket and I processed it and it is the most beautiful clay. Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that wonderful? And then the next yes. day I went to a local reservoir and dug some out of the bank, which was a completely different color, much higher iron content. And I'm really excited to experiment with these things that have this this something that's literally come from under my feet yeah. it's so connected to where I am and who I am right now and that ultimately ties in with my paintings which may not look like it but they're really all about they're all about place they're all about being a migrant they're all about where I am in my garden yes that's right and like my that my heritage combined with where I am and who I am now within this Australian landscape. So although they may not look connected, the story is the same, which brings me full circle to watching the show, The Great Pottery Throwdown, because I formed a friendship with one of the contestants via Instagram, and she speaks about this on a podcast called The Maker's Playbook. She speaks about finding your style. What's her name? Her name is Rosa going to get try and get this right rosa willand holmes okay rosa willand holmes and she's originally from denmark and she talks about her style and she says something quite powerful that it's not about what the work looks like that is your style it's the story that you're telling and as long as the story holds a common thread throughout all of your work 
it all belongs together. It all has a home in the same place and it's always uniquely yours. And that really connected with me. It's so true. It's so true. And you know that it's interesting because you were saying, you know, it might not be directly connected with the painting, but, Mm. you know, I've had an experience of actually going and foraging for pigment. And I, I mean, I would be really interested to see you playing with some of the clays that I've made pigment mm. from because yeah, I, that's one right. of my favourite yellows, my, one of my favourite yellow ochres that mm-hmm. I use in my, well, it's in this e-course actually, is one that I made from locally foraged pigment. That's right. And ochre is a type of clay. It's not a very plastic clay. So, well, it but feels it like clay when I'm processing it because yeah. mm-hmm. it's very soft too. Yes. And yes. Um, and I love that for that reason as well, because it's connected with my local environment. That's right. And, and the story comes through. And you know, when you, when you said that about what Rosa said as well, makes me think about it's, it's, like what Instagram's become as well, I guess, in the sense that it gives gives us an opportunity to express more of the peripheral story around yeah. what we're making and who we are and what we're about and how that feeds into our work. Mm. And, yeah, that just really occurred to me when you said that. Mm, it's really powerful mm. because finding a style is something that I think a lot of artists struggle with. It's certainly some of the most listened episodes of this podcast you've released like people seem to really feel like they have to find a style to be a serious artist and I think shifting that perspective away from the visual aesthetic and more to the storytelling and the underlying feelings and emotions and connectivity of what you're creating is actually a much more powerful way to view it and a much Absolutely. more realistic well, way is. as an artist. The thing that does happen over time is the style appears in all of the work, yeah. you know, yeah. and pe- you can, you know, when it's coming from that authentic place, it doesn't matter what the medium is, it's going to be evident. That's right. And, you know, you only have to look at the history of art to see that. Mm. You know, even artists that shift radically stylistically, you can still see a thread if you, you know, because when you have that privilege later on of looking back on that person's life of, you know, 60, 70 years of output, even though there's a shift there, there's still something about it that's them and that's it's that piece. That's the piece of integrity as an artist that I believe we're all seeking. So, you know, what may appear to be a tangent is possibly actually the most valuable part of our art practice, mm-hmm. seeing those moments, mm-hmm. following those moments. And, you know, how healing are they anyway? It's what I live for as an artist is those moments. That's right. And yeah. the, the output that the public gets to see is only a product of those moments it doesn't define it it's just an outward expression of what was going on within your heart and soul and what comes out of that is is what people see but that's not the most important thing it's that is not the most important thing and I think always holding on to that paradoxically makes the work better mm-hmm. doesn't it because yeah. it's not you're not creating it as a product you're creating it as a work of art in the sense that it's a capturing of a moment that you spent with your own soul. Oh, Suze, there you go again, speaking in (sighs) quotes, honestly. (laughs) Such a skill. (laughs) Well, that was a really beautiful conversation that I really enjoyed having. I'm really glad that we unpacked that a bit because 
gosh, that creates so much beautiful permission around. Permission, yeah. Really supporting a part of our cycle as artists that can sometimes feel like we're wasting time (sighs) to actually seeing it as vitally important and part of that which makes us become more mature as artists as well. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. You're so welcome. What a beautiful conversation, Steph. That's, ah, you have the best job. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) really. I'm inspired now to get back to my studio. And make beautiful ceramics. Yeah, I actually can't again. wait to see the pieces that you've made fired because so far I've only <laughs> seen too. them white. But I actually love seeing both phases because mm. they're so distinct and beautiful in their own way. Mm. So yeah. much fun. So much fun. Yeah. All right, everyone have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. You can always see more of my art over at susanethercote.com and if you're interested in learning from me or checking out the podcast notes, you can find those over on susannethercotestudio.com. I love hearing your comments and feedback, so feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, then why not snap a screenshot and share it in your Instagram stories? Be sure to tag me at susan.nethercote so I can say hi. And if you've got a great idea for a future podcast episode or know someone who you think I should interview, then pop on over to susannethercotestudio.com forward slash podcast, hit the button in the header image to shoot me an email. Catch you next time.